Can I say something controversial about Leo oh, before oh, before we stop? I just we're five I, minutes into an OC podcast. I just yes. want to say I tweeted this out and I and and it got traction. Like I mean, not like Chelsea traction or Ryan traction, but I just want to make a point for all of you that listen to this. If you're one of those people that makes the oh there was room on the door for Jack. Rose should let Jack on there. Just shut up and remember basic science. It's not about space. It's about weight. They can both fit on there, but it would have sank and killed both of them. Not unlike the boat did for most people. So calm down with this. There was room on the door stuff. I'm sick of hearing it. California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to the most dramatic episode in the history of Keeping Up with the Coens. <laughs> My name is Chris Harrison. Just kidding, he got canceled. My name is Ryan Drake, uh, coming to you from a probably the warmest day of the year so far in Oklahoma City. It's about a hundred degrees with about. 300% humidity. Oh um, my gosh. Ugh. Yeah, no, it's bad, but we're, it's been a mild summer, so I'm happy with it. Um, we don't have to get into weather talk for the next three hours. But <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that, that provides some clarity because I played tennis today and I play tennis a lot, so I shouldn't mm-hmm. be as sore as I am, but it's probably because I was playing in the blazing heat. It's so bad. I ran four miles this afternoon at like 1 p.m. when it was the worst. Yeah, that's awful. way harder than playing tennis. <laughs> oh, it's just Ooh. a lot sweatier. It, you just feel gross. Anyway. I can't stand running long distance. I don't know how you take that. Ugh. It's the only thing I can do well. <laughs> I hey. think I would rather do like 50 burpees than run a quarter of a mile. I'm not even Hey, kidding. did you guys know that I do, uh, I do CrossFit? Oh, my God. Hey, we, got some, we have some boxing thoughts coming up in these couple episodes. Yes. Um, let me finish introducing everyone. Um, <laughs> of course, we are joined by the second hottest thing happening in Oklahoma City right now. Of course, I'm talking about Daddy Dylan Irwin. <laughs> Hello, Daddy Dylan. <laughs> Hello, son. Um, it's great to be here. I got to say, the only I hated, thing... I hated I wanted to make the joke so bad that I had to compliment you. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's how I make friends. I guilt them into complimenting me because it helps their clout. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you right now, though, that the best compliment to this incredibly hot day is this delicious, uh, parentheses, question mark, Key Lime LaCroix. I, uh, I don't know if I like it yet. LaCroix does that quite often where they make a flavor and I don't realize that it's bad until I finish it. Um, yeah. Kind of, kind of like, lime, I feel like the podcast. Key Lime, you think you like it. You really don't. That and the limoncello, it ha- they both have too much vanilla in it. Look I'm at Chelsea's face when she's discussing this. She had the most disgusted yeah. look on her face, like very Al Pacino, <laughs> so, takes- the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, someone take a screenshot. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> she's still uh, doing it. She's got a great ass. Wow. Todd just barked when I said that. I want you to know. He barked from downstairs. He's like, Todd is like, is Al Pacino in the He's house like, again? Is Al, is Al here? Mm-hmm. I want to meet that man. I'm using that SNL sketch with Ryan Gosling where he's talking about Santa Claus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to quit talking about things that don't matter and talk about more things that don't matter. Like the OC. I didn't introduce Chelsea also. I'm sorry. Chelsea Trinidad. The, Hi, guys. The center of the Tulsa universe. Ooh. Also joining us here. Hello, Chelsea. I'm sorry. I forgot. Wow. Almost forgot you. Oh, my gosh. Ryan coming up with new intro lines. I dig it. 
Uh, I did one thing today. The listeners will not know this, but uh, Chelsea is currently wearing the puffy shirt from Seinfeld. And (laughs) she... uh, Except it's leopard print. Leopard print puffy shirt. So So it's like Lisa Frank wants to swing on a chandelier. Leopard print puffy shirt sounds like a Kanye West song. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if Donda's going to be out by the time this drops. Allegedly, it's coming out this week, this this i think allegedly. Uh, who, knows? who knows we're recording this allegedly. in early august the night of the bachelorette finale which is why we're gonna go fast so i can watch it uh shout out to katie i love her anyway let's get it you guys want to get into these episodes i have some thoughts i gotta say i have talked a lot of shit about the oc specifically oh. season three um and most of it is because the johnny stuff is just too much i can't handle it i hate it but the there are so many parts to these episodes besides the johnny stuff that i really enjoyed Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think I so too. Surprised. I thought that the Julie stuff was interesting to me. Yeah, the Seth Summer Taylor stuff is really—it's uh, doing it for me again. Dude, the Taylor <laughs> it's crescendoing. stuff. This Taylor stuff yeah. is so good. I. This the, is when she turns into endearing Taylor. I that's think. exactly right. This is when she becomes the best mm-hmm. character in the history of this series. But we'll get to it. All right, let's start uh, with episode number seven. The Anger Management. The Anger Management features Sandy Cohen on screen for only five minutes and 58 seconds. Dylan, tell me more. Well, uh, on November 17th, 2005, I know people were wishing that they had more Sandy Cohen content, but unfortunately they didn't. All 6.2 million of them were upset. And the man to blame is John Stevens. Let's talk about the Anger Management. Do you remember there was a movie with Jack Nicholson called Anger Management? Yes, and yes. Adam Sandler. Yeah, I got yeah that. Adam Sandler, that's what it was. Yeah. Where is Jack Nicholson? In Marissa Tomei, I think. Jack Nicholson oh. is, recently, he was at the NBA playoffs watching the Lakers, I think. But. So, so I got the tea. I have to share this. So as you guys know, uh, Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio are currently filming Killers of the Flower Moon in Tulsa. Yep. And Leonardo DiCaprio allegedly just bought a house about uh, half a mile from where I live. Seriously? Oh. Wow. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows this house. It's like a house that's very distinctive because it has like artwork pieces outside is it, of it. Is it the outsider's on... house? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Danny Boy O'Connor owns that house. Everyone knows it. It's the first thing he lists on his Instagram and Twitter. Not House of Pain, but it's Danny Boy O'Connor, um, like curator or whatever, the, the host of the outsider's house, Tulsa. Do I, I ding that? Do I ding curator? It's curator, right? I kind of want to start saying I'm the curator of my own house am i wrong for saying curator um, curator i don't think I, so okay. I, I th- is chelsea wrong for saying curator i think curator. That, i think that we're all wrong in our own specific <laughs> and unique ways but all right chelsea i'm not gonna ding you for that all right should we talk about the oc <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah ryan quit derailing yeah, I was waiting us to see how that would play out okay so we open up with the gang the core four they're at the diner they're discussing i wrote they're discussing some movie dylan probably knows about Um, i actually don't the only thing i know is that marissa straight out of the gate mispronounces guillotine and she says guillotine dings dings from marissa yeah dings from marissa (laughs) and there are also other french dings in the second episode but we'll get to those when we get to them love a french ding okay uh ryan suggests that the girls choose the movie the next the next time they reference uh bring it on great film so and then then marissa and summer do the really cringe we're sexy and we know it chant from bring it on yeah we're sexy Um, we're cute we're popular to boot Every millennial girl knows every single word of that chant. And me. Dylan, too. That should be the name of this podcast. Every millennial girl plus Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but you found hey my guys, manuscript. Hey guys, the fun times are coming to an end quickly because the door opens and of course it's Gidget walking he's through. He's so hot. He's just very attractive. It's distracting. It um, is. It's it's so distracting. He really pulls off that earring. I want one because of Gidget. <laughs> yeah. It's like at the top of his ear. It's hot. That's called the... I don't remember what that's called, actually. I don't um, know what it's, it's called, called the Prince either. George. Cartilage? No. Your cartilage? I think it is cartilage. Um, mm-hmm. But he does a thing. I, this, the, I had a little bit of a problem here, because in the last episode, obviously, we saw that Ryan was trying to separate Johnny and Gidget, and Ryan just kind of... I would say sucker punch might not be the right word, but it wasn't like, you know... Gidget didn't know that Ryan was about to punch him, right? Yeah. And uh, he, so he goes down and they kind of walk away. And so Gidget wants some revenge. And I don't, I mean, I'm not saying I don't blame him, but if you're Ryan, he walks in and basically says, I want a rematch. And Ryan's like, no, I don't have a problem with you. I'm not going to fight you. But I feel like in that situation, not to be a dude about it, but like if you kind of sucker punch this guy and now he's saying like, hey, that wasn't cool. And now I want to actually fight you man to man. You can't just be like, no. Yeah. You, you got to You got to mm-hmm. either say, yeah, let's fight. Or you can do like a green knight thing where it's like you hit me, but then I get to hit you just as hard in return. And so, no, it's not a dude thing. It's totally real. It's based in medieval romanticism, Ryan. So good eye. Thank you. So from there, I have this. That was the open. So we get California, California. Here we come. Um, so from there, I have this broken down into storylines. And I got to say, this episode made it much, much easier than some of the previous ones to break down into storylines. We'll start with Ryan, Marissa, Johnny, and Gidget. Marissa is Marissa feels responsible for the for the conflict between Ryan and Gidget. I'm gonna say Gidget so many times. Um, she feels responsible <laughs> for the conflict, uh, but Summer is she's talking to Summer about it. Summer thinks that Johnny is still in love with her and makes a good point that like you know he is single now and it's like okay so we know where this is going. This is about to get weird. Mm-hmm. Johnny walks in on Chili and Marissa at high school. <laughs> They're having a private conversation. She's telling Chili about how. Gidget wants to fight Ryan, and Chili's like, "We can't tell Johnny." And then Johnny walks up and says, "Can't tell me what." I hate and then it. he gets so he gets all upset. I know. He, I wrote. He's literally. He's just so emo. I can't handle it. By he's the not, way, he's not um, fun emo. Yeah. By the way, I every once in a while, whenever there are weird subtitles, I like to bring those up on the show. And for Johnny's line where he says, "It's Volchek, isn't it?" My subtitles said, "The cold check is in it." So uh, yeah. thank you. The cold check. I don't have any um, corrections from last week's episode either because I haven't edited last week's episode yet. But maybe I'll have two weeks worth of corrections next week, possibly. Johnny like gets emo and walks away, and Marissa stops him. And Johnny has a very cringe line where he says, "Like I'll fight anybody, but I don't want to upset a lady." Oh, it's I like, hate All right, it. Whatever, dude. Oh, All great scene. Pill. We're back. We're back at uh, Harbor. Great scene where Gidget's just hanging out on the Range Rover after school. Ryan and Seth are leaving, trying to go home. I don't understand why they don't just literally get in the car and drive away. He will get off of it if you do that. I don't know why they didn't do that. He keys the car while I wrote. He keys the car while Ryan goes full Arthur meme. Because <laughs> <laughs> they have a close up of him clenching his fist. You broke Chelsea. You Oh my god. Well, that's actually the outfit of the episode is Gidget's black shirt and jeans and he's wearing like as he's keying the car, they zoom in on his studded bracelet. I think I oh, own yeah. the same one from Hot Topic. Uh he looks like so, an evil greaser. So that there there are two <laughs> things there are two things this scene brings up for me that I want to talk about. One of them is an, is an erection. S- yeah, well that's constant whenever I see Gidget. Obviously. But one of them is something that I bring up quite a bit on this podcast, and I just don't understand. 
Like when I was in high school, kids from other schools weren't allowed onto campus unless they had like permission. And I, I don't feel understand like, why you think this is so weird because you had the same thing when Ryan went to Newport Union, right? Yeah, but this is even worse because you have these hoodlums sitting on a really nice car in the parking lot of a private school. I feel like that, I mean, that's, it's a school like you and I. This is going to sound so bad. I shouldn't even say this, but you and I could go just hang out at a high school right now. And like no one's going <laughs> to say anything. We could go hang out at a at a uh, at a co- at a college parking lot. Yes, we could go but hang also, out in the I senior. Thought you were, I thought you. Were, I thought you were going to be like, wait, we could hang out. <laughs> we could we could hang we could hang if we went to hang out at a high school. We could hang out in the senior parking lot of of the high school. I'm just but, saying that it's not yeah. like there's not eyes on every person at every moment in these schools, regardless of how nice and fancy it is. The other thing, which I think is a little bit more straightforward, is mm-hmm. like Gidget vandalized that car in front of literally so many witnesses. Hmm. I don't know. I just feel like it was a bad move for Gidget. And Chelsea's gone. You think, you think he cares? You think he cares? I that think... people saw him. Do you think anyone cares? Like, if I saw someone in high school king someone's car, I would just be like, well, that's crazy, and go home and not think a second about it. Dude, I would think about it constantly, because I would be the one whose car was getting keyed, probably. That's actually true. Okay, next, uh, next thing. Ryan and Marissa are having breakfast at the Cohen's house, which I feel like is not a normal thing. I guess they kind of needed to write that into this episode. So she they can't some eat time outside. Together. She did. Um, Ryan has hung up a punching bag in the <laughs> pool house. Dylan, I'm sure we have some thoughts on this. I, um, yeah. I wrote, he's kindred sp- spirits with Dylan and I. <laughs> yep. Ryan suggests inviting Johnny to the bait shop before properly wrapping his hand for a right hook, which I was proud of him for. Because he does yeah. not do that at the end of the episode, and he has bloody knuckles because of it. I have so many notes about that, because what people he don't threw realize... A good, it was a good hook. It was a good right hook. It was a solid hook, and the thing that people don't realize, and I learned this the hard way, is that even if you wear gloves, you wrap your hands. Not because you don't want to, like, cut your hands or anything like that. No, it but hurts. Because, it really hurts. Yeah, it's because you don't want to, like, literally bruise the ligaments between your knuckles and cause hand problems. So, don't do what Ryan did at the end. I did There's about Chelsea. a month of boxing before i but with just gloves before i got hand wraps and like after i got the hand wraps i was like oh my god this is so much better i don't know why it took so long to do this it's yeah, a game how, how come the class didn't like force you to get hand wraps that's the well, first doing, thing they taught me when it, i went well, to boxing gym well i was doing it at my house oh, I see. he, like he takes it at the school of hard knocks that's right so yeah ryan's getting into boxing for this one episode because we never see him do it again um we've got more notes about that at the end fast <laughs> forward to the bait shop johnny did not get a pity invite according to ryan and marissa that was a good scene i wrote through a couple times throughout this episode that like this is like fun ryan there were a couple moments where he was being kind of funny kind of fun playful i think Um, And this is one of them. We are at the bait shop to see the subways, which was, like I said, back in season two, the bait shop gets used less and less. And especially the bands. They don't have like the platform that like the killers or Death Cab had when they talked about going to the Rooney show or going to the killer show. Now it's just the subways are there. Hey, we're going to Subway. I loved, I was really into the subways back then, even before the OC. And so that's my musical moment of the episode. Be my rock and roll queen. I fucking love that song. Be my... And I feel like it ended up on what it ended up on one of the uh, it ended up on one of the soundtracks. Please don't continue. It started um, with that was like the opening. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a mix track four. Of it. Oh, was it? Yeah, track one, mix four. So they tell Johnny, "I promise this isn't a pity invite, even though it clearly is." They are just trying to keep him distracted from the Gidget situation. Um, and they all, but Ryan also 
talks him into helping setting up Kirsten's fundraiser, which we'll get to later. Gidget shows up to the bait club because, of course, he does. He has got nothing better to do than to stalk these guys and follow them to high school and to the bait shop. He asks Johnny about Casey, which I thought was a great the great moment. <laughs> How's your girlfriend? Erin Foster alert. She's there, too. What's her? I can't remember her name. Heather. Heather. Well, okay, so did he use, he like used to go to Newport Union or did he drop out? What's the story there? I don't think he ever went to high school. Well, so wow. Heather just happens to hang out with him? I'm sure it's like a surf crew thing, right? I, uh. Maybe? I don't know. Correction, it was Mix 5, track one of Mix 5. Thank you for the correction, Dylan. I like that's what we're doing in this, in this season. <laughs> yeah, just correcting myself. We're not spouting off fake news anymore, all right? Gidget grabs Marissa. Ryan in turn grabs him security shows up and throws gidget out um but at this point we know that what gets ryan riled up and like what's gonna get him to fight is if you fuck with marissa why didn't ryan get thrown out because he was defending marissa and okay. he didn't punch him he didn't punch him he just kind of he got but him off he, marissa he threw him against the bar dylan don't do this <laughs> i'm just i'm just saying i think that there is some financial privilege going on in this show, and I am not here for it. The bait shop is a welcome space for everyone. I don't. I disagree. Um, <laughs> my next note says Ryan is confiding in Sandy, and they put a heart emoji because there's not enough of that going on lately. Um, he does open up to Sandy in the weirdest way possible. I felt like he missed so much context from telling him what was going on because his quote literally goes, there's this guy who's got it in his head that he's going to fight me. And I was like, this tells him nothing. This literally tells him nothing. It makes me so mad, especially when he's keying the car. Like, there is an audience. They go to a really, really (laughs) fancy high school where surely there's video cameras. Like, why did they not behave like normal people? Chelsea, we're going to do this again. I know that you aren't actually here, but we've already talked about this. But the people at home don't know that. So I'm going to yell at you about it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You You see this? See, I'm not the only one. There are dozens of us. I had an allergy attack, okay? I had to go... I took out my headphones. I didn't want you guys to hear me like blowing my nose and doing my inhaler. <laughs> That'd be gross. Like, so I was doing you guys a favor. <laughs> my thing was that like, there's, even if there's an audience, like who cares? Do you, would you have, like if you saw someone king someone at your high school, would you have been like, oh my God, I have this information. I'm going to go to the police. I'm going to go do something well, about it. No, no you but if I was the victim, I'd call, and this guy I thought could legit hurt me, I'd call the police. We're going to learn no, about I mean, it. I mean, Sandy brought it up, so we go to the cops. That's because Sandy brings it up. Like, him keying the car is enough to go to the cops, and Ryan yeah. is basically like, that's not going to work. And I agree uh, with Ryan. Well, yeah, te- okay. technically, Sandy could go to the cops because it's his car, and also, we're going to learn about mm-hmm. another psychological concept in this episode called the bystander effect. You don't call the police because you assume everyone else is. So next time we see uh, Marissa, she's hanging out with Chili. She is. They're going to uh, the beach to find Gidget because she wants to bribe him. And while they're in the car, while they're in Chili's weird car, he's got it's weird like a Teresa, car Teresa energy city. car. Chili mentions that Gidget um, recently had dropped a kitchen sink on someone, which I thought was a fun little <laughs> addition. Yeah, I was like a kitchen sink. That's so specific. Um, I actually, so for all the weird, for the weird car that Jilly has, I actually kind of think Gidget has a cool van. And maybe that's just a me thing. I think it's kind of cool. It's a sweet van. Everything about Gidget is cool. He makes a don't shoot joke to Marissa, which I'm like, oh, these jokes are starting to pile up and she's going to break at some point. She's one step closer to the edge. <laughs> she's about to break. Marissa tries to bribe him with a Cartier watch. It's worth $4,000, but, but. Gidget already has a watch that he paid $15 for at Kmart. Kmart. 
I wonder how much their stock went up whenever he said that because they, they went out of business. Sh- they went out of business shortly after this. Aaron Foster brings the watch mm-hmm. back to Marissa at the fundraiser because Gidget needs cash now. That reminded me of that commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Need cash now. Have gold. Yeah. Need cash now. I have a structured settlement, but I need cash now. And this is just insane to me that Marissa's like, okay, I'll just get in the van and let you take me to an ATM. Like, that's insane to me that yeah. she would do that. Ryan and Johnny arrive at the fundraiser that they'd help set up. Ryan's looking for Marissa. He cannot find her. He gets a phone call from her. And it's mm-hmm. actually from Gidget. He has her at the beach under the pier. The he same challenges pier. Ryan to a fight. Yes, the same pier. It's, he literally kidnapped her. Like she, she got in the van. Mm-hmm. I know, but still, then he held her against her will, or else he wouldn't have used her as bait. No, that was that my is... next note. Was like, oh my god, I can't believe he kidnapped her. Like, of course he fucking kidnapped her. Come on. It escalated quickly. Gidget calls Ryan from Marissa's phone to meet him under the pier so they can finally have their big their big throwdown. This is good, too. Mm-hmm. Well, so Johnny and Ryan are driving together to the big match. Um, I didn't like that Ryan wouldn't tell Johnny the plan. He was like, don't worry about it. I got it under control. But in case something bad goes down, the backup oh plan is just grab Marissa and run. Yeah, he said if something happens, grab Marissa and run. So yeah. these two episodes frustrate me because I feel like we get a glimpse into if Johnny was just a normal friend in the friend group. And him and Ryan actually are like kind of fun to watch together. He's no Luke. Um, You know, he's no Luke. He's definitely not a replacement for Luke, but I think that he added something kind of nice. Definitely better than Oliver. Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure, maybe a little bit better than Danny, but... (laughs) How no, ever, dare no, you. no one is better than Danny. Yeah, stop this slander. <laughs> um, but then, of course, as we know, things are about to get weird. But it, it is a bummer just because I think that Ryan and Johnny do have a lot of, you know, it's kind of fun watching them team up together, which they do in both of these episodes. I just want to say, when I say he's better than Oliver, I just want to admit, I just want to say that he Oliver's a better character. Johnny's a terrible character, but as far yeah. as Ryan having a friendship with someone, it's better with Johnny. Oliver's way better character for sure. Yeah. Uh, my next note just says Ryan Ryan goes wild. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he flips. He's not, I said Ryan goes wild. He's not fun anymore. Um, he breaks a bottle and tosses Gidget a two by four for like a full on 1999 WWE hardcore match. Is what it looks <laughs> it's like. It's like a rumble. Um, a Royal Rumble, indeed. A Rumble under the pier. Um, Johnny <laughs> gives Marissa the hand where she's like, I don't know what he thinks she's going to do, like get involved. And he just gives her like the, no, don't do it. He's going to shoot someone. <laughs> don't stand in between us yet. <laughs> oh, he knows. She might She might be packing. So, so Johnny stops Marissa from getting involved. And Ryan is, I guess, he, his plan is I'm going to act like an actual psychopath to make this guy think that i'm crazy and then he won't want to fight me anymore and it works for the time being yeah ryan even has a line though where the very last thing he says to him is if you want to fight you're gonna have to kill me that was was a good line boy the seeds have been planted for future endeavors yeah the last thing with this with these guys are uh ryan and marissa they're hanging out back at the cohen's house fun ryan is back there's some weird dialogue here about Marissa saying that, like, you've changed so much. You're a totally different person. The old Ryan was dark and scary. And I was like, <laughs> has Ryan really changed that much? Like, he's got better hair now, but I feel like he's kind of in the same type of situations he's always been in, right? And I feel like mm-hmm. it's it, it's always funny to me that she says that line after he arguably did, even if it was fake, did the darkest thing he's ever done and basically threatened to kill somebody with a broken bottle under a pier. I mean, that was 
Why did Ryan think that was a good idea? Like that's just what if, what if the plan fell through and he actually had to it kill Volchek? It could have, yeah, like it could have gone wrong really, really easily. But the fact that it could have gone wrong really, really easily is what makes me think that like Gidget doesn't give a shit about it. like if you call the cops because he keyed a car or if he went to high school or not. Like none of that shit matters. He's and he's unhinged. Um, he's above the law. Yeah. From that, he immediately goes to the punching bag and beats the shit out of it and busts his hand open because he's hitting it so hard and he's not he's not wrapping his hands. That's not safety. Yeah. Uh, the last note I had about that scene at the end was that this has Ed from Big Little Lies energy. But <laughs> 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 he's on the back patio taking it to the punching bag. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that that was a great reference. The OC walked so Big Little Lies could fly. Okay, so that's what happened with uh, that other core four of Gidget. Johnny, Brian, and Marissa. Um, let's get to my favorite threesome, which is Seth Summer and Taylor Townsend. Taylor interrupts Seth and Ryan at high school to let Seth know how great the lock-in was. So many people told her it was so good, specifically the whatever, capture the flag or something. Um, she And she does that when she interrupts a conversation between Seth and Ryan whenever she comes up. And if you watch Ryan, she's like talking directly to Seth. But if you watch Ryan, he's giving her a fake like, oh, hey, good to see you too kind of thing. And she is clearly just ignoring him so hard, but he doesn't give a shit. Like, I I wrote Ryan barely looks at her, but it's crazy to think that that's one of their first, like, interactions, knowing Mm -hmm. what we know about how this so continues. Mm -hmm. Taylor wants Seth to play in the Christmas dance because they make a good team. Uh, Mm. Fun Ryan was, Fun Ryan was back here. This is back at the beginning of the episode, but Fun Ryan is here where he's like, you're in trouble. (laughs) I thought that was actually really funny. The thing with Ryan is that whenever he does, like, something that's even a little bit funny it's so heightened because he's so not that person yeah taylor talks to ryan at school about seth she acknowledges then that ryan is funny he's fun ryan she (laughs) makes a uh a comparison to herself as the angelina jolie to seth and summer's brad and jen that brangelina reference um you know that really turned out great it is pretty well well, because well He's not with either of them now, but anyway. Okay, uh, Ryan, she's asking him on a scale of 1 to 10, how stable are Seth and Summer? And Ryan says they're 10, 10 out of 10, which I don't think is true at all. But um, the, uh, at this point, we know that Taylor is into Seth based on the way that he has treated her at the lock-in and how nice that he's being to her because he knows that her mom is really shitty. And so he's being nice to her, and she's misconstruing that niceness as potential romantic feelings, which has happened which is a very normal thing i feel like it happens all the time totally um dylan thinks that's why mm-hmm. i'm very mean to dylan because i don't want him to think that i am romantically interested <laughs> in him. yeah dylan had the funniest look on his face he, he was like looking down and he looks up and just pauses I'm just for sad. a second i'm just looking at this american flag <laughs> out my window <laughs> You're like i'm unsigning the divorce papers from <laughs> yeah, it's happening um seth and ryan are hanging out and seth is giving reasons why he besides having a girlfriend a wonderful girlfriend reasons why he can't date taylor one of which includes that she petitioned the school to get rid of their handicap access because it was reverse darwinism that that is so bad taylor's a republican for sure four hearts after that because i love that about her all right think about how she's dresses she's a hundred percent she's not anything she's not 18 she can't vote wow Okay. She, she'd be one of those okay. people saying, no, 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 no. It's the vaccines that are causing the variants. That's what's happening. That's I don't Taylor. Think, no, 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 no. I disagree. 
She's such a liberal person, especially in season four. She's going to Paris and whatever. Okay. I think she's a sexually awoken person, but I don't think she's a woke person. I think she's a sexually frustrated liberal. Hey. This is actually a very good, this is actually a fun debate. This could be a real, this could be a bonus episode. Yeah. Save it. Okay, we're saving it. Who everyone would vote for. The ballot of Taylor Townsend. Okay. Where are we at? Where are we at? Uh, oh, he Seth's other Seth makes a very good point though about dating Taylor, which is nobody wants um, t- hot Dean's sloppy seconds, which I would agree with. That hair, ugh. it was like as bright as the sun. Taylor comes over to the Cohen's house. She's in Seth's room, and I respect this so much. She did the best possible thing you can do in the situation. She straight up just tells him, "I like you." Yeah, that was a good strategy. That's the move. That's such a good move. Mm-hmm. Instead of drawing yeah. it out over twelve episodes, she's like, "No, I have a thing for you." Um, and I, wrote, I respect her bluntness so much. She's the best, is what I wrote. Yeah. Um, was Seth was like, "No," and then she, they start talking about anime, which I know is such a fucking thing. Dylan, do you have thoughts on this anime thing? Because I actually, I was, I was talking with our mutual buddy Kellen about this. I don't really know a whole lot about anime, um, or excuse me. Anime. I, I called it anime one time in front of Leslie, and she it absolutely sent her. So now I call it anime <laughs> and manga. Um, but no, I have nothing to say. The only thing I will say is that she described Seth as an R. Crumb type. And, like, even I had to look that up. So, fun fact, here's whatever corner. Robert Crumb <laughs> was an American cartoonist. His work displays a nostalgia for American folk culture. Uh, for the late 19th and early 20th centuries, and satire of contemporary American culture. So I guess by referring to Seth as an R. Crumb type, she was uh, showing off that she not only acknowledges that he's a comic book artist, um, but that she knows what she's talking about when it comes to the artist. So she's thoughtful. She also had a line here that I didn't, I should have listened back again, but I didn't. I just heard it once and wrote it down, where she said that comic books are geek-whacking material. Ooh. Ooh. She said, I didn't know you like comic books. She's like, I don't like comic She's like, she likes anime, not comic books. She says comic books are geek whacking material. And I was like, does that mean that she thinks that guys are jerking off to comic books? They're painting the ceiling with comic books. <laughs> I, ooh, I just Googled geek whacking material. I do not recommend it. <laughs> Dylan, I could have told oh. you not to do that. My brain's yeah, not working. It's this key lime. You've got, yeah, you know, congrats on all the, uh, the spyware you just got on your phone. <laughs> so Taylor, while, while this is happening... Seth gets a phone call from Summer because, of course, he does. And I don't understand why he answered the phone. Taylor's there. Clearly, she's going to say something. Like, I just was like, just don't answer. Mm-hmm. Kick Taylor out and call Summer back in five minutes. This is not difficult. But he answers. And, of course, Summer hears Taylor's voice. And Seth lies to her about what's going on. Um, while this is happening, Taylor exits. But first, she steals Captain Oates. Puts That's so in her bag. Up. That's also kidnapping. It's our second kidnapping of this episode. Or um, snapping. Yeah. Summer had a very good line here, though, when Seth lied to her about listening to the radio. That's what the voice was. And he's like, oh, I was listening to the Miss- This American Life. And Summer goes, isn't that the show about hipster know-it-alls that talk about how fascinating normal people are? <laughs> it was great. Thank you, Summer. Thank you. The hero that we need. Fuck This American Life. That show's garbage. Anyway, <laughs> come at me, NPR. <laughs> I'll take you. Now we're back at the bait shop, the same bait shop where Gidget confronts uh, Ryan and Marissa. Seth is there with them. He reminds us that he used to work there, just in case we forgot, but he can't get a drink at the bar. Taylor shows up at the bar. Summer shows up to confront Taylor, and uh, Taylor pulls a great move, brilliant Mm. move, very Republican energy. I will give you that. She gives Captain Oates back to Seth in front of Summer, and this scene is bizarre to me because 
this is so fixable if you're Seth, right? You go, what the fuck? She came over to tell me she liked me. I don't like her. She stole this horse and now she's giving it back to me because she's trying to make you mad, right? But Seth yep. doesn't do that. This feels no incredibly way. fixable to me, but Seth just doesn't fix it. I don't know why he doesn't fix it, but he doesn't. Summer, I feel like this was just my own personal note. Um, I wrote, I don't think Summer is upset about Taylor. I don't think that she's that jealous of Taylor. I think she's just mad that she knows that Seth was lying to her about the them I feel, being at her house. I feel like that, that theme can be drawn back for any time that Summer is upset. Like, I feel like she got that way with the Anna kind of thruple as well, where her big beef, and with Zach's stuff, her big beef isn't necessarily the actual third party or the actual third, you know, force that's coming in and disrupting things. It's just how Seth's the handling it. The lack of it. honesty. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite Death Cab song. Um <laughs> I get that joke. Thank Ryan's you. a funny one, guys. That's right. So now we're at the party. We're at the big fundraiser that Kirsten's throwing. Um, Taylor's mom is there with Taylor. I guess they showed up together. And I saw Taylor's mom is a big jerk. I used jerk because there were other words that I didn't want to say. I didn't want. I wanted to say, but I didn't say them. Taylor's mom's a big jerk. And she brought, but, but Taylor brought Seth a present. And that was so sweet. Oh, she's so rude to Taylor. She like embarrasses her intentionally. It's awful. I, um, she's a big jerk. I have two quick. Two quick Cruel. questions. She's like yeah. horrible. Uh, first of all, Ryan, how many fake charity events have you DJed? No fake charity events. I have done just fake events. but <laughs> Okay. Uh, second question. This is to build on a theme. Which gift is better? Anna's, mm-hmm. Summer's, or Taylor's? Still Summer's. This is, come on. It's still Summer's. See, uh, I was going to say still no. Anna's. Wait, what did I Anna was... get him? A comic she, book that she, she made a comic book? No. Made she a made comic. Still Summers. Book. Come on. This is obvious. As a, as a guy, but, it's definitely Summers. But like, Taylor got him like an imported Japanese subtitled Taylor is a distant third place at this point. Oh, fine. Yeah. I have a question. I don't understand why Johnny was there. Because, because he helped Ryan, set up. Because Ryan invited him. I think they're trying to keep him. They, they're trying to keep him occupied or preoccupied from the gidget situation that's why he was at the bait shop with him that's why he was setting up the fundraiser with him okay oh and i think they also feel kind of responsible for him because um his girlfriend cheated on that's him. right um but like i said they're gonna fix them yeah, he, gonna, is, like, he is the most ben affleck of this whole thing <laughs> oh geez yeah taylor got seth a present her mom is embarrassing her in front of seth about it being like oh she must have wrapped it four times she seth opens it like dylan said it is some very rare foreign yakuza anime thing that he really likes so good for him she's good for her she got him the right thing i just don't understand it um taylor has this moment of embarrassment that i feel like is very relatable is not the right word but like i just feel like i understood what she was dealing with in mm-hmm. that moment that like she wanted to bring this to him and mm-hmm. wanted to make him happy but then once she did it it was embarrassing so she like runs outside and starts crying and he chases her outside and she's like crying mm-hmm. crying because of her mom she mm-hmm. talks and shit about her mom i wrote i hate her mom <laughs> yeah and she's she yeah, starts spiraling and seth does a good job of talking her up mm-hmm. i don't think he did anything wrong here so i think some could argue mm-hmm. that maybe he could have maybe let her on a little bit i don't think he did i think he actually did a good thing here he talks her up and is like you know summer and i are your friends and i do like you he didn't say it romantically he did say i liked you and then she does a Ooh, weird yeah. thing with his hand though like he puts his hand on her shoulder <laughs> and she does a weird thing where she grabs his hand and puts it on her face and he just goes okay <laughs> yeah that's that's how you know she's not necessarily getting the message yeah. um but of course he's not going to do anything about it it does seem like that was maybe like a bit of a turning point, as we'll see in the next episode for, for them and their relationship. But Seth goes back to Summer 
she's upset. She has a wonderful line here. She has two wonderful lines back to back. I think I have I think I have one of them written down too. She goes, Where have you been? Just because I'm not talking to you doesn't mean you can leave my site. Amazing. <laughs> like incredible. Um and she was like she's fed up with the Taylor thing at this point. Obviously we just talked about the the horse transaction that happened at the bait shop. Um <laughs> and she goes she says or Seth says, Yes, I was with Taylor She's having an emotional crisis, and then Summer goes, well, she's about to have a physical one. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. I love Seth and Summer in these episodes. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, these are great Seth um, and Summer episodes. They're sweet, and they're caring, and they're I'm funny. I'm still about the wonderful. horse transaction. <laughs> the new Cormac McCarthy novel. See, that's, that doesn't work for me. I don't get it, uh, Dylan. I'm sorry. Oh, two people who listen to this get it, and they're just losing their minds right now. He wrote, what did he write? The Road? Yeah, he wrote All the Pretty Horses uh, and uh, Blood Meridian, No Country for Old Men. Great. This has been your... Cormac Corner. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty good. I have to leave it in now. Okay. Um, so this, I mean, this whole thing wraps up with Seth doing the right thing again, telling Summer her mom is terrible and she's very lonely and she needs friends. So I'm trying to be her friend basically. It's like, all right, good for you, Seth. And that kind of sets things right. I feel like with the three of them moving forward, because by the end of the next episode, they're like friends, friends. The last thing that's going on here is some stuff happening with the adults. We start with Sandy and Kirsten in the Cohen's kitchen. I wrote Sandy's a real estate mogul with a heart of gold and he has the blue tie to prove it. Um, he's just, it's his first day of work. It's his first day at the Newport group. I need help mm-hmm. understanding this, but if it gets too deep into the nuance, I will edit it out. I don't understand how it's the mm-hmm. first day. What has the Newport group been doing since Caleb died? Like, has it been non-operational, right? I think it was a ceremonial first day. So the, like, the employees that were there have been working the whole time. Yes, and they know who Sandy is, and it was just his quote-unquote first day as the new head honcho. Um, I will say, for this week's uh, blink check... The Newport group employees, um, none of them are blinking. They all just stare at Sandy unblinking. And I don't know what this show's obsession is with having people I don't not know blink. what your obsession is with watching people not blinking. Uh, I don't know. Having moisturized eyes, I guess, is my obsession. <laughs> Dylan's very lubricated tear ducts over here. Y- you can't cry if your eyes are dry. <laughs> I'm making sure. I'm pretty sure that's a Ben Stein line mm-hmm. from the Clear Eyes commercials. <laughs> Try Clear Eyes. So Sandy is taking over the Newport group, which has been operational and functional the whole time. But on his first day, they have to fire people. Like, that's what we're supposed to feel like. I just didn't make sense to me as someone who did partially own a business at one point. I don't get it. Yeah, I I honestly I mean, the only possible thing is that maybe they were running like with a skeleton crew and or something. But that still wouldn't make sense because then where did all those employees come from? Did they like hire them and fire them in a one week period? And so, well, didn't we talk about gonna... didn't we talk about last season how the Newport Group is a like some huge company, right? Like a huge real estate development company, and yeah. they have they have twelve employees. Yeah. Well, they say that he's the Donald Trump of the West, and but they only have like thirty employees. There's literally. Tens of them, as was my note. <laughs> tens <laughs> of tens. So that's, I don't know. I kind of got the, the feeling I got, which I don't think is right, but the feeling that I got when I watched it was like, oh, this is the first day at everyone's new job. But like, mm-hmm. I, apparently these people have been there the whole time, but now they have to get fired immediately. Yeah. I don't get it. Anyway. You wouldn't hire all those people if you looked at the books and realized, wait, we don't have the capital to hire this many people. I mean, right. I. 
speaking as speaking as like the the efficient and proficient businesswoman in the group, I guess business person in the group, because I'm not a businesswoman and neither is Ryan. I mean, what would you do in this situation? Would you want to hire employees that you can't cover the overhead for, Chelsea? Chelsea can't hire employees, period, right now, apparently. <laughs> I gosh. Oh, it's so hard hiring people. You can pay them well, you can give them health care, and no one wants to work. And Crazy. you think and you think on. Taylor's um, a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I just said you could pay people a living wage and give them health care. They hmm. still don't want to. So where, where does that put me? I'm, I'm Better than the Newport group. You're a libertarian. <laughs> oh, God. I, oh, Seriously, don't call me that. Is that, is that Ben Shapiro out your window? Oh. Okay. So Kirsten is planning this big fundraiser that Julie and Charlotte are collaborating with her on. Um, also, I feel like this is the last episode we ever see Charlotte, I think. So, mm-hmm. R.I.P. Charlotte. Yeah, it's it been is. good, Charlotte. Let's see what I did there. Uh, <laughs> Kiki's, um, Kiki. I keep, I, I write her in my notes as Kiki because it's shorthand for Kirsten, but I end up just calling her Kiki. So, that's what I call her now. So, Kiki's planning the fundraiser with Julie and Charlotte. Of course, we know that Julie and Charlotte are planning to scam her. I think their plan is to create a fake company a fake 501c3 type of company to raise money. And yes, Dylan, what do you want? This was a plot in 30 Rock, wasn't it? Where Dennis had uh, was said he was raising money for that charity and the acronym was uh, C-A-S-H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that, actually. Yes. <laughs> that's that's all I could think about this whole episode. So there- That and, like, Julie's big Sigma energy when she is making substance abuse jokes. I got a um, note about, about that, too. Yeah, about Go. a substance abuse Ooh, charity. Boy, yeah. So, I, but their plan is we're going to fake, we're going to create this fake charity. We're going to have a big party. Kirsten's going to help us throw the party because she's, like, an influencer. People are going to come. They're going to donate. Then Charlotte's going to skip town with all the money and give half of it to Julie. What we learned in this episode, which I feel like we probably could have gleamed on our own, was that Charlotte wasn't actually going to cut Julie in. She just needed Julie's help. In fact, she was going to fuck over Julie as well and take all of the money for herself. Um, So that's where we are. They have a lunch meeting together before this all goes down. There's $600,000 is kind of like the rough estimate that they're thinking about. And so Julie thinks she's going to get $300,000, but she's still skittish about scamming Kirsten. Back to the Newport group. It's the first day of work. They have a staff of literally tens. Like I said, uh, the Newport group is unsustainable. They have to fire nine people already for the on day one, which makes me think that Sandy and Matt's salaries combined equals nine people. (laughs) That's insanity. Yeah. Sandy has developed a plan to only fire four people instead of nine, which again... It involves him taking a 30% pay cut, which, I'm again, I'm like, Sandy, come on. He's, like, going full Jeff Bezos here. Um, <laughs> but at least, he, at least he was open to taking the pay cut. But guess what happened? Matt decided he was going to take the take the reins on himself, and he decides to call the four people in to work on a Sunday to fire that- them. But first, he calls Sandy to say, I'm going to fire them. And Sandy stops him and says, no, no, I'll fire them. Meanwhile, on a Sunday. On a Sunday. Meanwhile, these people are skipping brunch to sit in this office for what must have been at least an hour for no reason other than to get fired. That whole thing was weird. I, I don't know. Maybe I just drew a weird parallel with this. But first of all, I was incredibly offended that this new kid in his 20s decides to call the boss in on a, you know, on a Sunday. and Or not call him in, but just call him and talk about work on a Sunday. But the other thing is... Seth had kind of already made that joke about Sunday being the Sabbath and Saturday is actually the Sabbath and the fact that now everyone is having to work on Sunday. I drew something with that. Mostly, I just think Matt's not a good person for doing that. I think Matt ultimately ends up not being a good person, but I'm still kind of like, 
50-50 on him. He doesn't blink enough to be a good oh person. Oh my god, stop with the blinking. Okay, Charlotte and Julie are getting ready for... So, okay, well, that ends with Sandy having to go fire the... Like, Sandy shows up to the office, and then he has to go in and fire the four people that have been called in on a Sunday, presumably skipped brunch, and now their whole fucking day's ruined. Skipped brunch. Yeah. Was I the only one that paused it so I could see what outfits they were wearing? I did, too, because I thought there was more than four people in there when the door <laughs> yeah. opens. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, anyway. Mm-hmm. Julie and Charlotte yeah. are getting ready for this big scam party, and uh, I wrote Julie is blacking out, but I think I meant backing out. <laughs> um, wow. Julie is backing out of the plan, and Charlotte goes 0 to 100 and, like, threatens her and basically says, like, I will call the police right now and tell them about our scam and just run away, and you'll be stuck here holding the bag, basically. Like, And then she says, like, could you do jail, Julie? And I was like, ah, oh, great alliteration. Loved it. Also, Julie could, could not do jail. I don't think so at all. She's in Riverside. No, she no, couldn't. no She's way. She definitely couldn't. She Let us know in the comments. Julie, no matter, like and subscribe. As much as we, as much as she is from Riverside, Julie always gets her way. She always gets what she wants. That doesn't happen in jail. Okay, party time. Julie makes a sushi slash substance abuse joke. There you go, Dylan. Um, Hate it. It was so fun. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, I Kirsten. Loved it for her. I wrote Kirsten thanks her for her support and invokes the name of Caleb Nickel. There's a very sweet moment where she's like, you know, thank you for supporting me and for making me do this. I wish my dad could see us. He'd think it's so great. And that's what really, I think, sends Julie over the edge and says, I can't do this. So Julie hops on the mic. Great MC. Once again, She, everyone on this show, wonderful MC. They should call the show The MC. God damn it, Dylan. <laughs> Julie hops on the mic. She's a great MC. And she decides to call an audible by saying that, hey, when you're writing checks to our fake our fake uh, company, write them out to the actual, I can't remember which, I can't remember what the name of the actual charity was. But write, write your checks the to the actual one, yeah. charity instead of our fake group. Charlotte confronts her afterwards and basically says, go back up there and tell them that you lied and they have to do it the other way. I was like, that's not how this would work, but okay. Uh, and Julie calls her bluff, and this is my favorite moment of the both the episodes happened right here. Mm-hmm. Julie has just the fucking best moment where she goes, "This town." She calls her bluff and says, "Call the police." And Charlotte's just looking at her like, "What? What do you mean?" And she's like, "Call the police." Basically, like, "I dare you to call the police." And then she says, "This town is only big enough for one manipulative bitch." And then she goes in and gives her the cheek yes! kiss on top of that. Oh, but. But she kisses her Play and she leans back mom. and says, take care, sweetie. Mm-hmm. I was too busy Brutal. standing up on my couch and clapping to, to hear that part. But yeah. <laughs> I was my favorite moment of all of this. God, I love Julie. Uh, the last thing bef- for this episode is uh, Sandy and Kirsten are debriefing after the party. Um, the party's over, but they're still at the venue. And Kirsten gives him a good pep talk about him feeling bad about firing people. She compared him to her dad in a good way. And then she has a really great line where she says, I'm not fragile. You don't have to protect me. And I wrote, OMG, they're the best. That was a great, that was a great Sandy and Kirsten moment. One of the best mm-hmm. I've seen in this series so far. I really loved it. And yeah, uh, yeah so presumably the scam, the scam didn't happen. The, some charities getting funded a lot of money out of nowhere. Um, and that's the episode. I love it. But not really. But I love, I love that we finished. Yeah. Indeed. I, I don't know which of you think that we weren't going to mm-hmm. finish. Is that what you thought? No, that we finished talking about that episode. Okay. But I'm, I'm kind of excited about this next one. Yeah, so this next one's memorable. Episode number eight. I wrote, it's called The Game Plan Alternative Title, The Taylor Townsend Redemption Tour. <laughs> yes! This really is the one where she becomes integral to That's our right. OC the, canon. The Taylor Townsend Redemption Tour features Sandy Cohen on screen for seven minutes and 45 seconds. Dylan... Do the thing. 
I have more facts than usual because something very important um, is a part of this episode. So I'll say that it originally aired on December 1st, 2005. Mm. 5.9 million viewers watched it. That's low. It was written by Corey Martin. And as the scene opens up, I'm sure you noticed an homage to that wonderful shot in the first season of all the sea lions basking on a rock you may have noticed there's an addition of a seagull and so you're watching this and you're probably thinking man the director of this episode sure has an eye for detail i wonder who it is this episode was directed by hollywood golden boy tate donovan everyone wow wow i didn't even know that which which also means whenever he's in interviews he talks about how rude the kids were on the episode he directed he was talking about this episode. So, wait, do you think a director... It's probably an editor that's in charge of doing, like, the previously on the OC thing, right? Oh, no, the opening shot um, post-pre... No, no, I'm saying... I know, I know, I'm, but I'm saying that who... There's probably an editor that's in charge of making that part of the show? Yeah, the editor's in charge of the previously because on Because this one was stuff. particularly good, and I was going to give take credit if it was him. This one was particularly good because it was previously on the OC, then it was just a montage of Summer hitting Seth five different times from the that previous was, episode. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, was good. It was really funny. Well, I just thought organizationally, this story had clean, um, like, storylines. So mm-hmm. that was nice. It was it made recapping it very easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I, th- I thought it was a pretty good episode. I know that it's kind of the beginning of the whole Johnny saga that we love and hate. But um, the episode starts with the crew in the diner reflecting on what they have to do in the next few months to get ready for college and start applying. And Marissa kind of bluntly announces that she no longer thinks college is in the cards for her. Mm. Um, I something hate that this just, Marissa. Well, Why? something that really stuck out to me about this whole episode is that whenever she doesn't want to go to college, it just, everyone is like taken aback. Even Ryan is like, what? You have to go to college. I don't have to, but you have to. And it's just, I feel like there's been such a cultural change from mm-hmm. now since the aughts. Because now I'm like, I don't know if everyone needs to be going to college. But back then, no. you were a fucking loser if you didn't go. So yeah. it's... I, one, uh, yeah, Marissa should be allowed to do whatever the fuck she wants to do. If she doesn't want to go to college. Don't mm-hmm. make her go to college. I did like, and we'll get, I'm sure we'll get to it in, to, in the episode, that um, the one kind of, the one thing I like about Johnny, the one thing I like about Johnny is that he has that attitude. When Ryan needed a job, he was the one that's like, oh, you can go work on my uncle's boat. And it's just like, everyone thinks Ryan shouldn't do that. But like, if he wants to do it, fucking let him do it. And Johnny's like, yeah, mm-hmm. go do it. You know, and it's the same with this Marissa thing where she's like, I don't want to go to college. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Marissa, you have to go to college. And it's like, if she doesn't want to, don't make her. And Johnny's like, yeah, if you don't want to come fucking do my surf thing for the next for the next year. Yeah, go to go on tour with me. I just I mean, I think it reflects the values of the time that was just very you have to be very normative and fit into this box and this is what this is what successful people do and if you go outside of that then you're not going to be successful and i'm glad that we have evolved past that but after they have that discussion in the diner um they they have a really cute scene where it's Ryan, Seth, and Summer all discussing with their college counselor what they're looking for in their higher education and Ryan kind of just seems uncertain uh, he doesn't have a clear picture of uh, what he wants to do or where he wants to go. But Seth and Summer both have very, very clear visions, and they just happen to be the complete and total opposite. Seth wants East Coast, and Summer's looking for a party school on the beach. Uh, before you guys knew any or really considered things like, you know, cost and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, where did you envision yourselves going to college? I applied to go, I applied to, go to Hawaii. I really wanted to go to Hawaii. That would have been sick. You. I know. 
I think I ended up in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> I applied to all the schools in Oklahoma, and then I also applied. I I thought about going to Wash U, um, Washington University, for a while, but I mean, I'm glad I ended up at OU because then I wouldn't have ever met Chelsea if I was at Washington University. Um, Look at move, us now. Before we move too far away from this point, I do want to bring up. It's another callback to our first season. Um, someone refers to Marissa as that lanky lady friend of yours. And so the return of Marissa the Lanker. The Lanker. Um, <laughs> the Lanker has returned. So that's a that's a little a little nugget for you longtime listeners. Um but but yeah, that's it. I thought I was gonna go to either Pepperdine or SMU, which now I'm looking back at those and I'm sure that my parents are so freaking happy I saved them. A gajillion dollars. Pepper, like Pepperdine as in the intro to the OC Pepperdine? Mm. Yep. Yep. Man. I know some people who went to Pepperdine. It seems amazing. Like, I, yeah, you could if you could have gone there, you should have gone there. Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, it would have been really cool. I don't know. I'm not that. I guess I wasn't that independent, though. Like, I feel like it was one of those things that sounds really, really cool to you as a freshman or a sophomore. But then when you're a senior and you're actually picturing yourself moving out and living away from everyone, then you kind of get back into your, okay, well, what's realistic? It blows my mind, because you kind of brought up the Seth Summer opposite thing. How I mean, it's so... I know that men, in general, do not think about the future very much. Like, I always tell my female friends that, they're like, oh, does this guy like me, or does he just want to hook up? I'm like, he doesn't even know. Like, guys don't think in that way. Guys don't think about, like... The guy's like, I want to go out with this girl again. I can't think past that, right? But it still blows my mind to me that Seth doesn't consider summer when making his big plans to move across the country that's insane to me yeah it's yeah. really insane insensitive boy yeah um i guess we'll get started on seven summer storyline um so first thing after they go to that meeting is taylor really gets in summer's head about uh her and seth wanting different things out of their college experience hmm. also shout out that is her uh, that is our outfit of the day is she's wearing this argyle sweater with a pink mini skirt <laughs> Very big hey, vibes. This is at least the third time I feel like Taylor's had the outfit of the episode. It she just rep, represents something that was so I guess commemorative of the era. She has she has um, clueless energy. Yeah. Ooh. Um, As if. So Summer confronts Seth about their disparate college choices, and uh, while getting in while she's like at school getting info about Brown, she finds out that Lil Scheme and Taylor is applying to go to Brown as well to get closer to Seth. Taylor what do tink- we think about this? Taylor the Discuss. Tinkerer. Ooh, the Tinkerer has arrived. <laughs> Tinkerer yeah, Taylor. No, this is like, hey, this is the end of Bad Taylor. By the end of this episode, she flips to Good Taylor. So yeah, it's fine. It's whatever. This is her. This is her big going away party for Bad Taylor. Um, Summer and her later kind of have a heart to heart, and I know that part of what made me really fall in love with Summer was whenever she reveals her vulnerable side. So I oh, always yeah. remember, you know, she has that heart to heart with Anna whenever her and uh, Seth first get together, and she's like, "He's gonna get bored with me, just like every other guy." And this, to me, was very, very similar to that. But uh, Summer just says he's going to be surrounded by smart people and realize that I just don't fit into his world. But what's so heartbreaking is because the um, conversation kind of ends with her being like, you can just go ahead and have him now and kind of walks away all sad. And I don't know. I found that to be heartbreaking. I agree with you up to a point. When Summer gets to that vulnerable place, it's like it makes it more important kind of in the same way when ryan is like fun ryan it's like noticeable and bigger because he's never like that so when summer Mm -hmm. does that it feels more important because she is a lot of times not like that what i don't like is her doing this kind of 
sad girl woe is me oh he's gonna meet other girls i'm not good enough and like you can have him i was like that's so dramatic that's not summer at all right sad girl summer the (laughs) sad girl summer (laughs) r.i.p the best playlist yeah i will say that the more kind of genuine but also somewhat vulnerable summer moment i feel like was the one that happened right before the scene at the diner that you're talking about um which is another reason why the scene at the diner kind of just threw me for a loop and it's when she was talking to Seth about like, Seth, you're not even considering our relationship. You're not even thinking about, you know, what I have going on. And Seth does a thing like, well, you could go with me or blah, blah, blah. And she gets mad at him and says, what? My dreams aren't as important as yours. And then just is like, fine, I'm gone. And then leaves, then goes to the diner and talks to Taylor about it. I feel like that line where she's like, what are you doing, bro? Am I not, are my dreams not important? Do you not care about me? That was kind of a more genuine, vulnerable summer. As opposed to this sort of overwritten, like, he's going to meet other girls. And I mean, I get that they're trying to show that she has insecurities, but I just don't feel like it was consistent with the character that we've kind of grown to know. Yeah. Also, Summer, I'm speaking directly to Summer now. (laughs) Um, Listen, (laughs) listen, Summer, you're basically saying we're going to stay together until he goes to college and meets other girls and then dumps me. But it's like. Why would you want to be with a guy that does that? Why would you want to be with a guy that doesn't consider you at all when he's making plans to go to college? She should have dumped him in this episode immediately. I would have loved that. So I thought it was really sweet and it kind of was a nice bookend on the episode. Um, Taylor saves the day by going to Summer's room and presenting her with lots of different clothing options. There's like a sweatshirt and there's a t-shirt and all kinds of stuff like that. But she t- shares the, the news about Providence. Those are the two things that she gives her. <laughs> okay. So I, surely there was a spare sweatpants thrown in there too. Maybe that should be the outfit of the day, even though no one was wearing it. Um, but she shares uh, with Summer about Providence Junior College. Um, she also says, you know, her and Seth are just friends and she's not going to apply to Brown. And I just thought it was a very sweet full circle moment. I have a couple notes on the Taylor redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is Summer had an amazing line. When Taylor walks in with the bag and she says, what is it with people showing up with bags? Um, I really like that. Uh, We have our second mispronunciation of the French language of this episode. Taylor says that she is going to go to the Sorbonne in Paris. It's the Sorbonne. um, So that's that. Eh. Also, I have a question. Mm. Is Taylor like, is she a mixture of summer Anna and like an angel. Is that her vibe, do you think? <laughs> I think she's a lot an more angel? Anna. She's a lot more Anna than Summer. And the last thing I want to say is okay, I've never seen this show, but I know the vibe of the show. DOC? I can tell. Yeah, it's what is this? I've been watching One Tree Hill. But so if Summer <laughs> and Seth end up at Providence and Brown. What if we, wait, 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 what if we made like, it through three seasons and finally we're like, is Dylan even watching the show? You're like, yeah, One Tree Hill. I'm like, wait, what? You've just been doing yeah. One Tree Hill recaps the whole time and we never noticed it. <laughs> yeah, Tyler, I think my favorite part is when Tyler Hilton shows up this season, but <laughs> Pete Wentz is showing up next season. And it's going to be great. But in my head, I'm imagining like this spinoff show that never happens. And it's where Summer and Seth are in Rhode Island going to college in the fall. And it basically becomes like Gilmore Girls. And I want that in my life. It would have been cute or like grown-ish. I thought that was a good show. Yes. What happens when Seth meets Dave? How do we do that? When Seth meets Dave, directed that by was Nora his, That Efron. was his character in Gilmore Girls, right? Well, and Anna's there too, right? So that would be yeah. really fun. No, she's in, yeah, she's, well, she's in, man, I don't remember 90% of this show. 
<laughs> but I love One Tree Hill. Yeah, no, so that is, that ends with Summer and Seth sharing a moment. She announces that she's going to follow him to Rhode Island, which I don't love that she's just doing whatever he wants to do for her entire future. Yeah. yeah. But they have a cute moment. Fuck the patriarchy. I agree. They have a cute moment in his Eat the bedroom, rich. though. Um, so next we'll move on to Ryan, Marissa, and Johnny's storyline. Um, mm-hmm. And as we all know, this one is consequential. Is Gidget? Um, Gidget's not in here, right? I don't think Gidget's in this episode. Ugh. No, Gidget doesn't show up. We get something better. We get a car. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Dylan. Um, So meanwhile, at, at school, Chili and Johnny tell Marissa that Johnny has a big surfing contest that night. You wouldn't um, get you a will... car. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that is going to qualify him to be in the PacWest conference and get a sponsorship and kind of kick off his whole surfing career. All right. Can we talk about so, this for a minute? Yes, please. I've got so many. This is not, I mean, I don't know that much about surfing in the mid-2000s. I know this is absolutely not how it works. They don't just invite a bunch of high school kids to come surf and go, yes, we're going to pay for everything for you now. Um, also, and, and we're going to bring groupies that on was your the tour. Other thing, was that like, <laughs> Chili has a line where he says, oh, I, you can work as, as, as a label rep. And I was like, you guys are just saying words that sound like a thing that are not things. Like, you guys are just making up cool words that you think sound cool that people will just believe. That's not at all how any of this works. I know. Well, are are they trying to say, like, you're going to be a Red Bull girl that travels with us, only it's going to be for Hurley. You're going to be a Hurley girly. (laughs) Hurley girly. In my head head right now, I'm imagining a alternate reality where... Ryan is not a cowboy. He is instead a rainbow warrior, and he went to the University of Hawaii and learned how to surf and ended up being... And because I assume Hawaii is probably in this same group that uh, that Johnny's trying to get in. Um, but the entire time I was watching this dude, did you ever play uh, Kelly Slater's pro surfer? pro surfer? Of course. That was my first note was Kelly Slater's pro surfer. Oh, my god! Did gosh, you watch any of the surfing in the Olympics? It was not good. I watched a little bit of it. They could not get any waves out there. They were bad. Also, I was, there's a great documentary happening, or there's a great show happening right now on HBO Max about surfing. It's like a weekly ooh. show. I can't remember what it's called, but I'll tell you in a second. Um, I, I had a, I had a quick question for you, Chelsea. Oh, yeah. Um, at the beginning, whenever they're all at the school, um, I can't remember which guy does it to Marissa, but be honest with me and just clear the air for all guys everywhere. Is it ever a good idea to cover a girl's eyes from behind in a public place? Mm. But but you don't say who you are. All you do, all that she would feel is some person's hands reaching her at her from behind right and covering now. her eyes. Yeah. See, I think that's the answer. Uh, I feel like so it's someone not take a screenshot. We'll post that. The many okay. faces of Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have all these screenshots of Chelsea on my computer now. 100 Foot Wave <laughs> is the name of the show on HBO Max. 100 Foot Wave. It's really good. Ooh. Uh, I would not appreciate that. I, one of the reasons being, it would probably mess up my makeup, which wouldn't be cool. Ooh, great, ah, great point. Yeah. But yeah, no, this, this, like in this world that exists on the OC, where you can just hopefully become a pro surfer because you did well in one competition one day, and in now you're, and now your entire future is planned for you, and you can bring two of your friends with you to also pay for everything does not just doesn't exist can, at all you can bring your entourage yeah. um you know it, it kind of reminded me of uh like i don't know it's like you're going on tour like if you were in rolling stones entourage or something like that but obviously i can't imagine that there's that much money in professional surfing you're comparing johnny to the rolling stones well that's what i was saying i think it was, it was ridiculous like mick jagger gets to bring his entourage but like a no-name surfer guy doesn't get to 
Uh, Johnny and Ryan kind of ambush Marissa at school, and they, like, work as a team to try to get Marissa to apply to college. Yeah, I didn't love that. Uh, I didn't love it either. I found it frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also frustrating. I know I just said this 20 minutes ago, but, like, Johnny and Ryan could have been really earnest friends. Like, they enjoy teamwork. They have shared projects. Like, I I don't get it. But also, why are they forcing college on Marissa so much? They know that she can't pay for it anymore. They I know agree. She's been through some trauma. And this goes like, back to, like, Dylan, you sent us a message earlier this week where one of your notes referenced something that I've definitely said in the past, which was Marissa ruins everything. Because there was a phase of time in the show where Marissa did ruin everything, but this is not yeah. it. Marissa is, I, no. I, I'm riding high on Marissa this season. She hasn't done anything wrong. Like I said, she's just reacting to what's happening around her. She's not responsible for any of this. So none of this is her yeah. fault. Um, they proved to be successful. And Marissa goes and visits the guidance counselor. And she's, again, you know, very hesitant about going to college. And he straight up asks if it's because of the trauma that she went through with Trey. So for, hang on. First of all, I just want to say that when your audio cut out, right, whenever you said, I think you said um, guidance counselor. But in my audio, it really sounded like you said gynecologist because your audio dropped for a minute, which is hilarious. Oh. <laughs> Um, this guy, but the, the the guidance counselor was like kind of a hot older guy, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Daddy yeah. He was incredibly kind. I like wrote notes about how understanding and gentle his eyes were. <laughs> he was like if he was wow. like if Orlando Bloom and McDreamy combined into one person. McBloomy. <laughs> um, but he tells her to do the obvious thing, which is leverage the horrible experience and get a dang scholarship, get a good essay out of it at least. Mm-hmm. Um, heaven forbid knows that it's completely impossible for public school kids to get into college. And, um, <laughs> you, you know, like that was always kind of a dumb, a dumb reason. Like I, I thought her, I would make it more about like, we have no way to pay for it anymore. Cause that seems to be so much more likely, a more likely reason why she shouldn't go. Um, she sits down and tries to write the essay. And of course she gets flashbacks of everything. And I did think it was interesting, especially now that we know that Tate Donovan directed this episode, but in her flashbacks, one of the flashbacks was seeing Tate all beat up. You know, from just like five episodes prior. He's just trying to get that actual extra residuals. Yeah, I know. Maybe he was like, oh, I'll get royalties if I'm like in, <laughs> I in it for yeah. 0.1 seconds. Big Mel Gibson energy. Uh, but no, so Marissa's like having a, like a meltdown while she's, or a breakdown while she's trying to write this essay. And that was in an episode that underratedly had some great music. That was a music moment of the episode. Um, song called Open Invitation by Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Shout out to them. They've been on the show a number of times, but this is, I believe, their first time to be. The music moment of the episode, I couldn't give it to the Coldplay cover at the end because it's a cover. I don't think you should reward a song for just being a cover of a good song. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Um. So she's struggling trying to write it, and Chili and Johnny out. show up right in the nick of time, invite her to come to the contest. Um, she goes. Um, we kind of talked about... Before she leaves, though, Summer's like, What? you're not writing your college essay? Like, I don't understand why they're all putting so much pressure on Marissa to write her college essay that night. Like, surely they're, you know, surely it's not due the next day. You know who like, didn't put pressure on her to do that? Taylor Townsend. Taylor Townsend we'll did check. not. That's right. Also, yeah, also Gidget, the three of them. What a great, another great throuple. <laughs> so, Chili and Johnny, um, you know, this is when they start pumping her up about being like, oh, you should take a gap year and just tour with us. You know, be a surf bum and you can be a label rep whatever the fuck that is Mm -hmm. which i actually thought was a good idea if they could pull that off but again very dicey whether that is realistic or not 
No, in the in the context of the show, if it's possible, a hundred percent, take a year off, take a and go travel the world surfing. That sounds amazing. Everyone would do that. Yeah. Now this is where it gets confusing to me because Ryan like shows up at the surf contest, but canonically, um, isn't he supposed to be at home with Paul Glass? Yeah, but he leaves. I think at some point because. I'm trying to make sense of my notes, which is not helpful at all. But I, I remember I had a note because at one point, Summer calls Chili Dog Boy. And I don't know where that nickname came from. And so I thought that maybe Ryan somehow found out that that's where she was through Seth because Seth found it out through Summer. And so he just dips out and leaves. And then comes back really fast because a lot happens in between. OK, we're having dinner at Paul Glass. He finds out that she's not at home writing her essay like she's supposed to be, so he has to go to this contest and get her. Like, it, it's very fucked up. I barely watched this episode, but I do remember the scene where Seth is... Ryan walks into the house and Seth is in the stairwell. And Ryan and Seth's like, we should be able to worry about next year next year. And Ryan's like, yeah, I'm having some of that too. And Seth is like, sit oh, down, yeah. I have something to tell you. And that's when Seth tells him about okay. what Marissa just doing. Yeah, because like, there was a lot of no time. No one at this time knows that Johnny and Chili invited her to tour with them and have her be a hurly girly. Like, no one knows this. Like, literally, she just didn't want to write an essay one day and went to go hang out with her friends. Like, this is not a big deal. Yeah. Everyone's bullying her and putting pressure on her for no reason. It's stupid. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember the timing of it. I do remember, and this is when my note came in, when Ryan shows up, I remember that I, I feel like he's being super controlling Ryan again because everything is a cycle and it's time for Ryan to be the bad guy again. Um, being controlling, telling him he needs to write the college essay. At this point, I just want to punch Johnny like so bad. I don't know why. I think just because I don't like Johnny, but I shared this note with you all. Um, it made me so happy to see Johnny get hit by a car. You guys are awful. Johnny was not bad up until this point. Johnny does not get annoying for like another episode or two. Disagree disagree note, but i also don't agree note, with dylan yeah but my note says ha 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 he got hit by a car see a surfing marissa ruins everything yeah i know so. and people think i'm the i bad completely guy. disagree with everything about that that's it yeah, no, i mostly disagree marissa's with that well. being fine johnny's being <laughs> fine ryan is the one being a weirdo i don't even understand how this sequence works like is Mar- marissa's mad that ryan's there so she storms away and johnny's kind of going after her at the same time chili's yelling his name I don't know exactly what the sequence of events is, Wait, but okay, this is one of the scenes. This is this line. is one of the scenes I did watch. Ryan mm-hmm. shows up and asks Marissa what's going on. She says, "Well, I can get a job with them doing this weird thing over the summer." And then Johnny shows up. Oh, Johnny shows up okay. and has this great line because Johnny's so unaware of things. He's so clueless, which I think feeds into what I said earlier about why I like that he's just like, "Oh, you want a job? Go work on my uncle's boat or whatever." That was almost me doing Dylan's George Lucas impression. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but see, now we've switched. If you think that he is just earnest about these suggestions, because whenever it was the fishing boat. I thought he was just trying to be helpful and nice, and you were like, "No, he was being manipulative." And now you and I have seen appeared to have switched. Like, we don't swat. trust I think, men. No, I okay? think I may. I think I might have changed a little bit just based on how he's acting in this episode. And I see it's like a, it's like a trend. It's not just a one-off thing. Um, yeah. But there, he had a great line where he sees Ryan showing up, and he just so earnestly and unawareally says like hey ryan thanks for showing up man because he thinks ryan's there to like watch him surf yeah <laughs> he thinks they're friends because they took down gidget together so he, yeah he thinks ryan's there to watch him surf and then ryan just immediately goes do you tell her to blow off college 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's frustrating. So that's when the, that's when Ryan's finally just like, "Fuck it, I'm leaving," or what? Or no, no. Yeah, he like walks away because he's mad, and Johnny chases after him to try and fix the situation. And that is when he gets hit by a car that just speeds around a corner, and we know nothing else. Happy, it's a hit look and run, out. right? It's like yeah. a hit and run. Well, maybe maybe they wanted to teach us in the episodes until now. Like Johnny was a carefree, easygoing, like you know, take life one day at a time type guy. And then after his life was ruined by getting hit by a car and his surfing contract goes away, that it put just like a dark cloud over him and just really, really destroyed him from the inside out. He had a line that didn't make any sense. He just said, no matter how you slice it, my knee is screwed up. What does that mean? That wasn't a surgery line. That was just like a, anyway. Um, He 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 does have a line. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. That's great. Yeah. He does have a line, though, in this same scene that we're talking about now, Dylan. Um, I jump ahead. He says that I think he's right for saying it, but also it's the it's the line that sets Ryan off. And I would also be set off if I was Ryan whenever he, he Ryan says, did you tell her to blow off college, blah, blah, blah. And then Johnny goes, maybe you just don't understand what she's dealing with. And Ooh. Ryan loses his shit when he says that. But I'm like, I'm kind of on both of their sides on that one. Agreed. Um, So I guess we'll kind of hop on over to adult world. Uh, well, I guess to kind of wrap it up, they go to the hospital. Johnny's knee is fucked up. And I, I think Marissa says something like, well, is he ever going to surf again to the nurse? And the nurse goes, we're just hoping he can walk again. So now we know this isn't just like a little brush up thing. Like this is going to be something that has consequences throughout the upcoming episodes. Um, but heading on over to adult world, uh, the beginning of the episode kind of starts with Kirsten being bored, staying at home cooking and during her and Sandy's morning exchange, um, you know, when she shares that with him, um, she also, you know, starts talking to him about like, Hey, the kids are talking about college now. And I don't think Seth wants to go to Berkeley. So don't force that on him. Sandy kind of has his own ideas about that. (laughs) Um, Kirsten and Julie are hanging out at her condo, um, and, you know, Kirsten's kind of miffed that Charlotte just disappeared. She's just like, man, you know, Charlotte just left. She didn't say goodbye. I don't know where she's at. And Julie, you know, first tries to brush it off. She's like, oh, you know, maybe she's with her dad. And, you know, Kirsten's like, no, she hasn't talked to her dad in five years. She can't be there. And just kind of getting trapped. And Julie is visibly uncomfortable during all this. Gets a knock on her door, and it's her landlord coming and threatening that if she does not get the $10,000 rent um, to her by tomorrow, she's going to get kicked out. $10,000 rent. I mean, it is a beachfront property. Um, so Seth goes to Sandy's office uh, to tell him that he doesn't want to apply to Berkeley just because he knows that Sandy's always wanted to go him uh, go there. And he kind of wusses out once he gets there. Meanwhile, Sandy has no idea what's going on, and he is overjoyed at the thought of his boys applying to college. So excited that he whips out his phone and he calls his old friend Paul Glass from Berkeley <laughs> to pump up the boys about going to school there. Chelsea, I'd like you to know that whenever he said Paul Glass, Leslie started laughing. Um, Because she was thinking about George Glass. George Glass as well. (laughs) Yeah. And so my note is that Paul Glass is George Glass's father. It is now podcast canon. What's his name, Jam? His name is George. George what? Georgia Tropicana. What a nice name. Is he Cuban? Yeah. I think it'd be funny if Paul Glasses didn't exist. I mean, class. <laughs> it was just someone that he referred to a lot, but we never actually no, yeah, see. This is my college buddy. This is where we learned this whole series about Sandy having a mental breakdown because he's making up people. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kirsten 
uh, mentions going to Cardio Bar again. So I'm guessing that was a big thing back in the early aughts. You know, maybe like Jazzercise or Cycle Bar. No, I think I heard him say in one of the uh, Rachel Bilson, Melinda Clark shows, they were interviewing somebody and they said, is Cardio Bar even real? And the person they were interviewing said, I don't think so. I think that's a thing that Josh Schwartz just made up. It sounds sounds So they didn't have to credit... This they didn't have to credit like an official workout thing, like Maybe. body pump or whatever. She, uh, like, she's obviously still super jumpy, and Kirsten notices something's going on. And it's interesting to me with TV shows, like, they do this on Friends pretty often and um, How I Met Your Mother, but sometimes it's like the characters acting weird and no one notices. And then sometimes they're acting weird and everyone's like, oh, huh, you're saying weird things. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting when they decide that other people are going to acknowledge their funniness or not. Um, I don't know when they kind of draw that line. But this time, it's Kirsten is noticing that she is acting visibly agitated. Um, Julie moves out of her condo basically overnight. She loads up her U-Haul and she bumps into a neighbor on her way out and her, you know, mentions something about going to Balboa. Is it called Balboa Estates? But she gets called out hard. It's I got some, um, I guess, proximal cringes. What did you guys think about that scene? Proximal cringes. Yeah. It's also like, hey, neighbor, butt out. I, I think that she brought it home. First of all, yeah, the neighbor's being too nosy. Um, but I feel like Julie <laughs> really kind of put her in her place by forgetting her name and just calling her based on which apartment she lived in. Like she said, I can't remember what she was like, well, nice talking to you, 13F. It's like, got her. <laughs> um, but of course, it's TV timing. So Kirsten just so happens to be driving up right in that moment and see Julie drive away with the uh, U-Haul. Uh, Kirsten follows her to none other than a trailer park. Where she lives with Kid Rock. <laughs> Gus. <laughs> Julie does get out. And Gus, who looks exactly like Kid Rock, greets her. I thought Gus seemed kind of nice, personally. He's a good old boy. I like Gus. I think it's strange that because it's rare in these type of shows that you would name use the same name twice for characters and that Gus was the name of Luke's dad's boyfriend as well. Ooh. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. They probably just liked the gag of her shouting Gus all the time and we're like, oh, we're going to use that. Uh, It's okay. We can't think of a better name. I will say that since we're talking about Gus, the thing that made me laugh really hard at the end of this episode is when Julie and Kirsten are talking and Gus comes up behind her and he says something like, hey, Julie. And she's like, Gus, I have a gun. And he goes, okay. (laughs) Just walks away. Hey, Julie. I got a gun, Gus. That's cool. Um, So, of course, Kirsten follows her and sees what's up. Next day, Kirsten invites Julie to lunch and invites Julie to start a business with her. Um, and Julie's kind of like, oh no, like I don't, I don't need anything. And Kirsten reveals that she knows about the trailer and really like what just wants to be on a team with Julie again. And, you know, Julie at first kind of resists and is like, oh, I don't need your charity. But then of course, in a very Julie, uh, character type moment says, you know, well, if you really need it, then Kirsten, I guess I'll do it, which I thought was kind of a Mm. sweet thing. But then Kirsten asks again about Charlotte, and Julie comes clean about the situation. Um, I I don't know why she did that. Like, I don't know why she, because Julie goes, I stopped her in the last minute. Like, why didn't Julie just say, I stopped her when I found out about Mm -hmm. it? Yeah, maybe she didn't want to have any, like, I mean, Kirsten was there when Julie made that announcement to the crowd, which, by the way, Julie (laughs) does it. Julie could be, have a career as an event MC. She'd make a million dollars. She could live in that townhouse. Also, since I'm talking about this, I'm just talking to myself now. Since I'm talking about this, the only, the only 
only bad MC I've ever seen on the show was the guy that was hosting the the Pac West Surf Tour or whatever. He was oh, terrible. that guy was bad. He, he was, was so bad. Anyway, he was he was like he was a bad version of the open bananas, open bananas, open bananas guy. Yes, he absolutely was. <laughs> um. So, of course, later on that episode, uh, Kirsten decides to forgive Julie, and she says that she knows that she didn't go through with it because um, of her. Which, again, that kind of bugged me. Like, oh, you didn't go through, you know, you didn't steal hundreds of thousands of dollars because you like me. Like, not because it was a shitty thing to do, or, like, because conning people is bad. Um, so, I don't know, that kind of bugged me. But moral of the story is they're going to start a business together. So, we get to see our two favorite moms of the OC. Yes. Working on a business together. Is this, Girl bosses. Is this the dating business? I think that's what it, I think they start out as a catering business and then it evolves into a dating service. Okay, Grindr. I just remember they're doing the dating service in season four. I just didn't know it started here. Yeah, it starts here because that's where uh, Summer's dad comes into the scene. Um, so to kind of finish up this episode, uh, we want to talk about Sandy and Paul Glass. Uh, Sandy's really, really pumped about Paul Glass coming to visit, to talk to the boys about Berkeley. But Ryan expresses hesitancy about leaving, which, again, so cringe. I don't know how he's two places at once. Or maybe this dinner with Paul Glass was just a six-hour-long ordeal, <laughs> and he just sat there by himself because Seth vanishes, Ryan vanishes. The whole reason why they were there was because of the kids, and they're not even there for the whole conversation well, the, so d- the dinner was at night i feel like i i mean like i said I, I had to skim through parts of this episode so maybe i missed something but to me it made sense that like he went to the surf thing johnny got hit they went to the hospital because this all that all happened during daylight hours and the dinner is at night so we Correct. have time to go from the hospital to the dinner <laughs> again us over analyzing what's going on we um, only notice the things that don't matter marissa after she deals with johnny being in the hospital kind of goes back to the pool house and she tells ryan that she is going to apply to college which is just a nice little little happy ending what changed her mind was it johnny basically getting his shit wrecked and she's like well i can't i can't like i can't go on tour now i'll go to college like this is my backup plan it's i mean it was just annoyingly preaching the morals of the time which was go to college kids so it's like oh look marissa didn't think she was gonna go but now she's going yay Mm. morality tale so that was annoying. Um, the end end of the episode is Seth finally growing a pair and telling Sandy he doesn't want to go to Berkeley. Um, it's the, that whole thing. I mean, I get why they did it. I think it's important because Berkeley is where Kirsten and Sandy met. And Berkeley becomes a very big part of the plot line in season four. So it was important to establish how precious it was to Sandy and how important it is for their family. But I don't know. I thought that kind of didn't have a lot of payoff. Like Seth being like, I want to go to Brown. Like, (laughs) wow, you brave soul. Like, I don't know. Well, the episode ended with, I mean, the the episode ended, ended with the, the, uh, the guy with not George Glass, Paul Glass coming into the pool house and saying to Seth and or just saying to Ryan and Marissa, I have been eavesdropping on your conversation, but I think that you should both apply to Berkeley and I think it'd be a good fit. So it's kind of implying that they will probably both go to Berkeley. Yeah. Well, and it peeps in Marissa's ear that that's like an option. Yeah. That's cool. And then everyone's happy on the bed talking about college. Yeah. I get why you didn't choose it as your music moment of the episode, but I mean, I thought it was a good music moment. I will say, and maybe this is a correction, or maybe this is a correction that'll need to be corrected later, but I'm pretty sure we've had two covers as uh, music moments. Um, One of them, or maybe three. Forever Young. uh, Forever Young, Maybe I'm Amazed. Um, Wonderwall. Wonderwall. And Champagne Supernova. Adams is 
canceled. No, we didn't have we didn't have two Oasis covers as music moments of the episode. I can promise you that. And you chose and you chose <laughs> human garbage Ryan Adams over Matt Pond. We PA. did not choose Wonderwall because that episode was Hello Sunshine. Good point. We chose Matt Pond PA. For Champagne Supernova, we didn't choose Wonderwall. I don't remember. How do you remember these things? I don't remember these things. Because I've seen the first season probably 37 times. I just had, I'm obsessed with the soundtracks. And Dylan's like, I just listened to the soundtracks and watched One Tree Hill. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> I am just so hoping that Haley has a good, has a good music career in that show. <laughs> like, I totally forgot that Pete Wentz just randomly shows up on that show. God, it is the hardest thing for us to not talk about other things in the OC. <laughs> oh, well, especially this season. I know. These episodes were better. I think that I yeah. I think that I thought this season was worse than it actually is. It's bad, but I think the hate may have gone too far on my end. So far, I'm enjoying it. It does get worse. We do okay. It gets worse with the Johnny stuff, but I do fucking love Caitlin. Caitlin is another one of my favorite characters, and Caitlin and uh, Caitlin and uh, Taylor Townsend together in season four is what makes me love season four so much. They are both oh, yeah. just and incredible. Caitlin is on her way. We got we can hang tight. <laughs> She's we in know route that that's currently. Yeah, mm-hmm. she is. But that will wrap up episode eight and the beginning of the Taylor Townsend Redemption Tour. Uh, we'll be back next week with two more episodes. They're probably going to be nine and ten, unless Dylan calls an audible and wants to watch One Tree Hill instead. Um, if you want to get in touch with us and yell at us, you can do that by finding us online on Instagram at Cohen's Pod. C O H E N S P O D. If you want to send us an email, you can do that as well. Cohen'spod at gmail.com. Uh, Chelsea's going to be, I think, can we do a, a post like every week that we have a new episode come out? A post? Yeah. Just be like, hey, new episode. I mean, new I, should episode. Be, I should be posting like three or four times a week, but I've just been not doing that. I'm asking, so for, I'm asking, you, for the, that. I'm asking you for the bare minimum. Can we do a post every Wednesday that says like, here's a new episode? Um, <laughs> I think we should. I, I, I think I'm in on I'm that. I'm going to drop great. the That'll pictures. be a great, that's a wonderful goal for this next season. The bar is so low. But yeah, you can find us online over there. Dylan, if you uh, want to explain to the people how easy it is to say nice things about us. So Ryan, Chelsea, and I have uh, created this fake... Fragile ch- egos. Yeah, we, well, we've, we've created... Very, very fragile. We've created this fake charity. Um, and <laughs> instead of donations, <coughs> you actually give it's stars. It's called the Human Fund. Um, it's called the I- Apple Podcasts. Um, charity and you donate money by giving stars to our podcast and so make sure that you're donating plenty of money to um, I don't know insert your charity of choice here we support all charities we're like Tom's shoes but for things like medicine I guess that's our charity we're Tom's shoes for medicine so go ahead and give us five stars guaranteed that medicine is is going out into the world. I don't know. I lost the thread. Anyway, give us a five-star rating, five-star review, notwithstanding this rant. Um, if for no other reason, <laughs> give five stars to us because after this episode, Ryan is going to have to potentially edit out sounds of me eating spaghetti <laughs> during during the second episode. But uh, So far, I was silent because I was eating spaghetti. But five stars, please. For me, for Chelsea, for Ryan, give us five. I'm sorry. I just saw a tweet that said, do you think when Taylor Swift wrote, maybe I asked for too much, it was about her trying to get Chick Hall to shower. And that's really funny. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. Thank you, Dylan, for that. I tuned out and was reading tweets, obviously. Uh, but that's it for us. We'll be back next week with two more episodes of season three of Johnny, of Chili, 
of hopefully Gidget, Dog Boy, and then uh, the rest of the the rest of the squad. Uh, that's it, Chelsea. You have anything else you want to say? No, nope, that's it. Love you guys. Cool. Not gonna ask Dylan. All right, that's it. See ya. Bye bye. Up next is the Bachelor. Bye.